Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Always a pleasure to be able to share an empowering hour, and this will be an empowering hour. We begin with a study from Shiraz University of Medical Sciences and talks about flaxseed and diet can reduce rheumatoid arthritis. This was a 12-week randomized controlled trial. It was published in the European Journal of Nutrition, and it demonstrated that consuming flaxseed combined with an anti-inflammatory diet reduced symptoms and improved quality of life in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And it was just 30 grams a day. That's just one ounce. That's one teaspoon. That's not a lot. And always get the shelled raw flaxseed. Now, if you can't get that, then get the flaxseed oil and one teaspoon of flaxseed oil a day if you have arthritis. Now, there are other things you can do, of course, on, uh, with arthritis or rheumatism, but this is, this is very important. And I put flaxseed oil, coconut oil, olive oil in all of my smoothies in the morning. I suggest you might want to do the same. Just a little trip back in time. The year was 1975. The place was New York City on WMCA Radio, and I invited uh, the top rheumatologist in New York to come on. And he was not just representing himself, but the entire field of rheumatology. It was Barry Farber, a close friend of mine and a wonderful voice on radio. And uh, he was narrating it. And the rules were that each person would have equal time to share their points of view. His was this, and this is true of all the rheumatologists in America, that there was no association between diet and beverages and uh, arthritis, none. There was no science, there was no support, it was just, well, it was quackery. Mine was that from my own clinical experience and as a scientist at the Institute of Applied Biology, I'd done multiple studies showing that there absolutely was, and also there were other physicians around the United States, board-certified physicians, not a lot of them, because it was, it was dangerous territory to do anything other than orthodox medicine. You could lose your medical license, even for changing someone's diet if it was related to a disease. And so he presented it, his information, I presented mine, and then we asked people in the audience, have you had experience? When you take a drug, does the drug uh, help you? Do you overcome your arthritis? Or just helps kill the pain or the swelling? And if not, then what were the outcomes? And we were flooded with calls of people who said, I went on a healthy diet. I no longer have dairy. I no longer have um, meat, sugars, caffeine, fried food. And I'm eating more wholesome food, whole grains, nuts and seeds. The diet we talk about all the time. And my arthritis is gone. And then jump ahead. This is just, uh, I would say, 13 years ago. I did a study in New York. Maybe someone listening now was in that study. If you were, please call in later in the show at 888-874-4888. In any case, I believed that I had proven in the laboratory that I could take and did. I took rats that were used downstairs. Remember, I'm on the third floor using no animal sacrifice, no injury to animals, just in fact, to the contrary, having animals live much longer and much healthier conditions, no cages and a healthy diet, 
uh, soft meditative music. It was just wonderful for them. But I showed that when animals were damaged, including in their joints and swelling and pain, within 28 days I was able to reverse it. So then I said, let's see if we can do it in humans. So I put together a study. And you had to have arthritis for at least seven years, be under the uh, stewardship of a rheumatologist and taking medication. And we did it for 28 days. Uh, it was medically supervised. We had nurses that had a whole medical profile on everyone. So these people had arthritis. And one guy it was so bad that on his first day, he couldn't make it up the steps. And so someone came over to me. Harry came over and said, uh, we have a guy in the middle of the steps. He can't get up. So we went over there and I said, come on. And uh, I said, just, you know, I took his arm and, and carried him up the steps. And he said, I can't do this every time. And it was four weeks, once a week, four meetings. That was it. And we filmed everyone at the beginning. And they told us their story, the pain, the medications, the history, how long they've had it, how it impacted their lives. We filmed it at the end. Now, we had 94% complete reversal of the arthritis in four weeks. We had some people that had 50 to 70% improvement but everyone benefited. And that was just one of over 165 research studies I did at the Institute of Applied Biology. Now what was of interest was that about 20 years ago, more or less, over 70,000 Americans died minimally in a short period of time from using Vioxx, which was used for arthritis. And it is estimated that upwards of half a million died because of all the other studies that were showing how deadly this drug was. Nobody was held accountable. Nobody went to jail. The field of arthritis, rheumatology, did not lose any support. They continued doing the same identical thing, just different drugs. just want to share that with you. A little, little spack in this. Now, our next study comes from the University of Western Australia. The Mediterranean diet, a straightforward approach among many nutritional options, was what showed improvement for people with IVF. So, adjuvant therapies to help infertile women conceive by IVF, especially those whose treatments have been unsuccessful in the past, are now a common feature both before and during the treatment cycle. So, the Mediterranean diet made all the difference in the world, where all the medicines did not. Just adopting a Mediterranean diet and uh, made the difference. Something simple and something uncomplicated. And also from Northeastern University, a study associates higher, uh, higher drug use during pregnancy with language delays in early childhood even common medications, pain medications. And that's what they found. Quote, the University, uh, Northeastern University are finding a relationship between increased uh, anti-pain medication use during pregnancy and language delays in early childhood. Once again, I've said it many times, if you intend to have an intentional pregnancy, both partners should go on a one-year minimal detoxification and rejuvenation protocol so that your sperm is healthy 
your ovaries are healthy, the eggs are healthy, everything is healthy. And also from the University of Hull, H-U-L-L, which is in the United Kingdom, chocolate, now we're talking about healthy chocolate now, not the sugar, dairy, chocolate. We're talking about cacao, raw chocolate, at about 70%, eases chronic fatigue syndrome. How about that? Dark chocolate may ease the symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome, and it is characterized by extreme persistent fatigue for six months or more, with other problems like muscle pain, headaches, and poor memory. Now, we already know that chocolate, dark chocolate, is rich in chemicals known to increase signals carried around the brain, but this is thought to be the first time the confection has been found to help symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome. And uh, this was from Hall uh, York Medical School in Britain. And they tested a, a group of patients with a severe form of the disease. And this was published in the Period Journal Nutrition Journal. So they ate dark chocolate for eight weeks, uh, followed by a break, and then another variety with little cacao, which t- tasted the same. So they just used 15 grams three times a day. That, by the way, 15 grams is about a half an ounce. One little piece, one little breaking piece, three times a day. So the 70%, the dark chocolate, that's what had the results. The little bit of chocolate did not have the same results. And finally, from Lancaster University, an article published in the Journal of Intellectual Disability Research, funded by Public Health England, showed that there is absolutely a link between air pollution and intellectual disabilities, especially in children. So British children with intellectual disabilities are more likely than their peers to live in areas with high outdoor air pollution. The findings come from an analysis of data extracted from the UK's Millennial Millennium Cohort Study. That's a national representative sample of 18,000 children. So the more polluted the air, the more likely you are to have deficits in intellect. Um, By the way, if you like staying up late at night, not a good idea for your arteries. Why? University of Gothingham, which is in Sweden, of course, artery calcification is almost twice as common in people who stay up late at night compared to early birds. That's according to this study. And circadian rhythm appears to be a particularly important part for the heart and blood vessels during the early stages of the disease. By the way, artery calcification, or what we call arterial sclerosis, as it's also known, involves fatty deposits accumulating on the inside of the arteries, making it harder for blood to pass through. The disease develops over a long period of time and is not noticed until it leads to angina, blood clots, heart attack, stroke, and death. So, those of you who like staying up late at night, well... You're hurting your arteries, and you're representing another risk factor for death. That's the latest on health and healing. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. Pleasure to be with you today. We're going to be doing our show a little different today because I have a major commentary. It's going to take most of the show on addiction. But we did go ahead and broadcast our health and nutrition, and it's in the Footnotes of the show, it's in the archive, 
So that you can still get to. You just go to prn.live, scroll down to archive, and you can hear it. I'm going to open up with a clip from a group of people who have a very popular uh, uh, program. And they're talking about endorsement and that a very well-known person who is right now making a lot of money by doing endorsements for Pfizer's vaccine, the COVID vaccine, and a flu shot. And I'm concerned about that. And so we're going to go to the clip, and then I'll end my commentary. You know, NBA is not a free league. Like, I have guys that have reached out me, to me on Instagram from the NBA. They're like, man, we appreciate what you're standing up for, Colby, but we can't say the same thing because then we'll lose our livelihood. Then we won't have our checks to, to pay for our, our houses and pay for our food on the table for our families. So I feel bad for these guys where they're not allowed to express their real thoughts and feelings. They have to... But they have to listen to what, you know, the narrative that's shoved down their throat from the left in the NBA, and that there's one way. And if you go up against it, then you're going to lose your job. I mean, look at what they did to Kyrie Irving. They painted him out in the street like he was the biggest villain of all time. The guy's just, you know, believing free speech, believing, you know, his own, you know, right to choose what he should do with his body. My body, my choice. He's not like a guy like Travis Kelsey out there who's believing in, oh, I'm paid off by Pfizer. Guys, get two shots at the same time. That's the healthiest thing oh, you could God. ever do with your life. Yeah. Dude, two sh- shots. I mean, I didn't get the vaccine. I don't believe in vaccine, but I'm not against someone that does believe in vaccine. If you did get the vaccine, you should probably just get one at a time because if there's adverse and, and wrong effect in it, then how are you going to know which one's the cause of it if you're getting two at the same time? That's irresponsible. Travis Kelsey is one of the biggest pieces of, shit of all time. The fact that he's advising people to do that, you know he's not doing it. He's just telling people to do it because he's getting paid off and bought for by Pfizer. It's disgusting. And how much do you think Taylor Swift has this? Because Taylor, Taylor Swift is sort of the darling of the left. Dude, this guy won two Super Bowls. Yep. He seems like a rugged, badass dude, you know, arguably the greatest tight end playing today. Uh, how much is the left, the narrative, oh. the Taylor Swift coming into Travis Kelsey and infusing their ideology on him, you think? Oh, yeah, 100%. But, that you know, that's a fake relationship. That's just the left putting these two powerful figures together so they can be role models and, and teach these nasty things to kids of today. You know, that it looks, you can tell that the left is just going after the most famous people they can, the athletes, celebrities, entertainers, and they're just getting them to shove their narrative down these kids' throats. Wait, yep. what? Guys, I just searched something right now based on what you just said. Okay, I, I, if you don't know the answer, I'm really curious to know what you're going to say. <laughs> what do you think he got paid for from Pfizer for this commercial? Hundred million? No, no, no one's no, gonna no. pay that kind of money. I'm saying, no. I'm saying for for no, the no, whole no. campaign. Let me no, tell you something. No. For a hundred million, no. I'm jabbing yeah, everything. But, but hear me out. No, hear me out. Typically, you get a cost like half a million bucks, yeah. a yeah. million bucks. That's a big deal, right? Yeah. What do you think he got paid for that? Okay, now that's like that. What five million? What do you think? I, that's a lot. I, I've not heard of five million dollar deals for a Travis Kelsey. Yeah. What do you think I paid for that? I mean, listen, for you to go around and be the the spokesperson for Pfizer and you're the face of the NFL and you're dating Taylor Swift. How much? Yeah. Whatever number you like, dude, I would give it to him. Hold I, this number up, right? I'd go send $10 million. Dollars. 20, 20 million? Are you kidding me? Oh wow. Did you guys know this? I, I had no know idea. This. I just Googled it right. It makes According sense. to a report from Andrew Pitcash, wow. Travis Kelsey was offered a strong incentive to take part of the Pfizer promotion. The Kansas City Star is stated to stated to have made a massive $20 million wow. from yeah. the advertisement. Oh, weird. Oh, my God. I had no clue. And then think about this. Yeah. And you nailed it. I believe Holy it. Look, I believe at this, it. look at this tactic. And I said wow. this yesterday. You got to tip your hats to, to Democrats. They recruit his ass. They make them date. 
She's a, a Democrat. You wait for, in six months. Guess what she's going to say to all her, what are they called? Swifties. Her, her Swifties. Hey, guys, if Donald Trump makes it, hope to God, don't vote. They're evil. Vote for whoever, Newsom or whoever. Do you know how many how influential her voice is going to be One for a vote? Percent. And that's the tactic. Get nine jabs and vote for the left. They're not stupid. But let me tell you something. That's money well Let me tell you something. You know, I, I would never Demon. mess with the UFC. Those guys are badasses. You do not want to mess with the Swifties. Okay, what is the lesson here? And we can apply this lesson to a lot of things in life. How often are we motivated by someone who may be telling us the truth or may not, but what is the underlying reason that they're doing it? More often than not, it's because they're paid to. Now, when they're accepting that check, do they consider, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm telling people something that could ultimately hurt them, like all the advertisements for Vioxx that killed tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people? And what about when we were sold uh, into weapons of mass destruction or any of the other things we've done by people who were convincing, you know, politicians? And how often have we heard that president, well, he's the right choice for us. Why? Did you study the background? Did you study what laws a legislator has passed or supported? No, we don't. I'll bet that 99.9% .9 of the American public can't tell you five laws that their legislative person that they voted in, whether it's the state level, the federal level, or even on city councils, voted for. What if we knew everything? What if we knew a list that they had to produce of every week here, all the individuals the lobbyist, here's how much money they gave. For example, the number one amount of money in American history that went to a politician from Israel was to Joe Biden, almost $5 million. And then right behind that, you've got Chuck Schumer. And behind that, you've got uh, Congressman uh, Mendez. And uh, you also have Ted Cruz receiving money from Israel. Then suddenly, it's all support for Israel. Israel can do no, no wrong. It's what we don't know in a story, the backstory, and yet that's where I always go. I go to the progenitor, to the beginning of something, and look for the truth there. So that's why I don't ever watch commercials, because I know that someone, some celebrity, or someone that we're supposed to trust is telling us the truth about something. How do I know? Uh, for example, Michael Jordan, arguably one of the five greatest basketball players in history, and I respect that, enjoyed watching him. And yet, what was he selling, Fruit of Loom underwear? Well, why should I buy Fruit of Loom underwear? Because he says to. Or Tiger Woods, a car, McConaughey, um, a Lincoln. I mean, it's, and these celebrities are paid big bucks, $20 million, and does he know anything about the vaccine? No. I've written multiple articles on the COVID vaccine. I've done over 100 programs on it. And the flu vaccine, go to GaryAndAll.com, go, go to articles, go under vaccines, and look at the flu vaccine. Three articles I've written, all fully documented with real scholarship using only peer-reviewed literature, showing that no one should be using the flu vaccine. It's not efficacious, and it has side effects, including death. Yet here's a guy that doesn't do any of that. And then you look at Taylor Swift. Now, as far as I know, Taylor Swift's a good performer, has a very large audience right now, and she is a part of what we call the addictive phenomena.
just like the Beatles or Elvis. They were all outstanding performers and charismatic, and, uh, and I'm sure she is too. I have nothing negative to say about her, and I wouldn't, because it's your choice what you want, just like it's my choice to like uh, certain types of music or read certain literature. But it's when they suddenly use that to sell themselves up. And there's a certain point that they're so much in the public eye, they rub it raw. That's not me saying that. That was Sarah Bernhardt, a thespian from the 19th century. And yet today, we have whole industries with lots of people involved, a huge amount of money, promoting someone, and frequently mediocre. I don't happen to believe that Madonna or Lady Gaga are, are that unique in their talents. But once you put a lot of money in people and you control articles, you know which journalists are going to give you sweetheart love letters, big kisses, you know, and the sexiest man alive. This is all nonsense. It's all contrived. And yet, we've become addicted to that. What, what, why are you standing in line? Well, um, got a good review. Okay. What do you know about the food or service? Well, the food and service is not important. The important thing for being in this line that goes clear around the block is and paying $200 for this meal is that it's where everyone is going. What about the restaurant right next door that gets great service, great ambiance, uh, low-priced food, and delicious food? Well, do you see anyone in there? Just a few people. Well, I don't want to go in there. I want to get in line. That shows how addictive we are. And hence, I want to share some of my thoughts on we are the most addicted people in American history. If you looked in the hushed corridors of the American psyche, you will find a silent epidemic that entwines human lives with despair and dependency. This is not merely a narrative of chemical imbalances associated with drug or alcohol and other substance abuses where people can get on something and can't get off of it, like cigarettes, because the manufacturers knew that it was addictive, the nicotine, the FDA knew, but the FDA protected the seven major cigarette companies. They lied before Congress. They were found guilty of lying before Congress. That's perjury. Not one of them was punished. The industry had to pay Medicaid back uh, for all the emphysema and lung cancer and heart attack deaths due to smoking. But nothing changed. Just a black box warning. But people didn't stop smoking because of the dangers that were proven because they had become physically addictive. Cocaine. You would be shocked to know how many people working long hours to succeed because they're addicted to the need for success down on Wall Street. I had one do a long conference with me. This goes back about four years ago, just before COVID. And a person who lived in my building and uh, needed some help and said, I'm going to tell you stuff that uh, I'm embarrassed by because I always thought myself smarter. I went to the top schools. I graduated top of my class. I've always been the top of a valedictorian, etc. And then I went down to Wall Street and I saw that I was just a little tiny minnow in a sea of great white sharks and everyone's looking for blood in the water. And that's the culture of 150,000 plus people all working in the same environment. You're competing against everyone. You have no friends. 
He's telling me this, okay? He's not the first person. I've had a lot of close friends working on Wall Street at top positions, Goldman Sachs and other places. So I have a good understanding of this. In any case, he said uh, that in order to get in early, five o'clock is early, and stay late, sometimes till 10 o'clock, and there's special restaurants that stay late just for people who work late on Wall Street, and they're packed. And there are gyms down there for people that when they get out, they have to let off all this energy, and they go into the gym. But they use cocaine, he says. He said, if they did drug testing in every, every bathroom, in every office on Wall Street, they're going to find a lot of cocaine. But it's considered natural and normal there. It's a natural, it's like caffeine, except it gives you a, more energy. That's a dependency. The dopamine hits is a dependency. But you don't have to be using a, a tranquilizer or an anti-anxiety medication. You don't have to be eating sugar or caffeine to get your, your dopamine hits, that feel-good moment. No. You can get it in many other ways. And unfortunately, we don't recognize these are addictions, but I do. I've seen so many lives destroyed by people who needed to be successful, needed to have power over others, needed to show themselves as being something other than who they truly were. And in the process, I saw people for every measure of increase in their success, where they became better known as a a lawyer, a doctor, a judge, uh, a celebrity. They lost something in the process and they weren't even conscious of losing it. Like, okay, we're going to go for the golden ring and that's going to increase our standard of living. So kids, I won't be able to spend as much time with you right now, but your mom and I are both going to show what we can do so you have a future, so you don't have to ever suffer. But dad, we, we don't suffer as it is. You know, you're, you're, you and mom are both professionals. You're a lawyer and she's a doctor. We do fine. And all of our friends' families are doing fine. So why don't you spend some more time together? I can only be eight. I can only be 12. I can only be 14 once. And so there's a time when I'm going to have people outside of this family supporting me. And because we're peers, you and I are not peers and you shouldn't want us to be your friends. You know, you, mom shouldn't be there at sleepovers. Well, we believe that there's only so much success in the world and there's a shortage of it and we want to get ours before it goes away. That's improper thinking and that is almost all the professionals I've ever counseled or know in my life, including close personal friends of mine. Very successful. Three became billionaires and not from stocks and not from insider trading, and not from, you know, hedge funds. The old-fashioned way, creating something unique. And they became billionaires, and they lost their families in the process. And they lost their friends. They lost their health. In the end, two of them lost their lives. And people who were lesser success, and miserable because they didn't want a day without the phone ringing, or completely packed schedules, because there was an emptiness inside, that they had to fulfill. And this addiction for constant attention, constant adulation, and never taking responsibility for the wrong choices they made. This is addiction. And unfortunately, it is an odyssey through the labyrinth of addiction that transcends the confines of narcotics into shattery behaviors often overlooked. 
In the land of the free, millions of people are bound by chains of codependency, victimhood, and the intoxicating allure of power and fame. Right now, we are starting our, our major, ending our major generation where they feel, so many of them, not all, but probably up around 60%, they feel that they are victims. No matter what has been done, they put that mantle on every day. And that becomes addictive. And the people they associated with, the, yeah, me too. You were, oh my goodness, me too. And, uh, and they can't let it go. They can't get beyond it. And they refuse to acknowledge that they've created it. It's a mindset. It's a false perception of their weaknesses and a neglect of their strengths. Look, as a nation, we grapple with a crisis that now etched into the marrow of our collective identity. Substance abuse and addictions to fleeting pleasures, such as gambling and sexual indulgence, leave in their wake shattered families and fragmented lives. Increasingly, we observe the consequences of addiction sprawled across the streets of American cities and forgotten rural communities. Go back to where I came from, West Virginia. Go into the rural areas, Appalachia. Go into the coal mining towns. That's where one of the biggest addictions, worst scourges in American history, Oxycontin, was being given out. More pills were given out than people lived in the entire community, and yet no one paid attention and no one seemed to care. After all, these are just poor white uh, you know, Americans that never do wells. So who cares? It's not like a celebrity got sick or had an overdose like Matthew Perry. Then every magazine newspaper for the next three months talks about it. What makes him more special? Nothing. And yet we act as if only the celebrities who get sick and die are significant. Anyone else? Oh, so what? Another day. Don't look at the obituaries. This is an addiction to a celebrity cult culture. We don't just honor people by buying a ticket to the movie or listening to their song or reading their book or poem or watching them dance. We believe that through them, the emptiness, the big empty in their our lives will be in some manner expressed. We're a fan. Yes, no, you're addicted. You're addicted to people who themselves are addicted. I've counseled a lot of celebrities, thousands. I've only mentioned names of those who went public and had no problem talking about the, the help that they received at some point in their life. But 99% never mentioned a name and won't, even though many of them are dead. Because I had a chance to sit, for example, up at my farm, and that's one of the reasons I kept the farm for so long, um, and have chosen rural environments like the Healing Springs Ranch, uh, Lake Apacong, down here in Florida, because people who don't want the public to know that they have a problem want it to be secure in that. And I had a medical team working with me through Dr. Martin Feldman that no one ever knew that they had illnesses because it would impact their career. They wouldn't be marketable. They wouldn't be bankable. No one would invest in them. And so my job was to get them healthy. And that's what I did. Now, in the process, you have a chance to talk with people. They want to talk, and they want, they want someone to hear their story. And you have no idea what happens to a person who becomes famous. It destroys the humility within them. What you see before the cameras or out in the public is often staged. 
In fact, some cases, even being staged is difficult for people just to act like human beings, decent human beings. And we think it's wonderful. Oh, did you see that that celebrity showed up to give you know food to the homeless at that shelter one day? And what do you want to bet your life that a publicist says and a, and a counselor said and the agent said and the manager said, you better do this because it makes you look more marketable, like you're a real human being. We know you're not, and then the celebrities are, but we want the people to think, oh my goodness, how nice that is. Yeah, that's all facade. You would never want me in a court of law talking about what I know about Hollywood, having worked with one of the legends of the movie industry, uh, the head of a major Fox uh, Fox motion pictures. I work with him on my book, Black Hollywood. One of my closest friends throughout my life, Neil Koningsberg, Koningsberg and Lansky, managed some of the biggest celebrities there. And I know all the stories, all of them. And Bernie, my friend that produced films, A-listers, and he's the one who saw how addicted people were, what they would do in order to be in a film. And yet none of that, that's all been whitewashed now. Oh, no one ever did anything. Yeah, they did. And yet... Nobody wants to show that part of themselves. Success, the more successful you are, the more you're susceptible to losing your sense of who you are. You're not your success. The public gives you the power to believe you are in that moment. Never take it seriously. Always stay humble. And yet, arrogance, conceit, entitlement comes with being successful in anything. And struggling under the weight of addiction's burdens, like relationship addiction, where no matter how much love and attention, no matter how much insight and, and care that you give a person, it's never enough. The moment you stop, they'll say, you never gave me anything. They're addicted to being needed. They need someone to rescue them. How many people have you met where you made the mistake of trying to rescue them? Did it work? It never works. And how many times have you, if you're one of those people who needed to be rescued, make yourself seem like you're that deer that fell through the ice in a a river and you're struggling. Someone, a whole lot of people, are going to come out there and risk their lives to try to save you. But then someone backtracks the film and said, shows that you broke the ice yourself, put yourself in the water so you could be rescued. We have a society that is grappling with the psychological ramifications of not even being aware that they are addicted. And so, struggling under the weight of addiction's burdens, cities witness the erosion of civic vibrancy. New York has lost its vibrancy. Yeah, we still have Broadway shows, we still have movies, we still have Lincoln Center, but walk down the street in the evening and see if you feel comfortable. Is a city able to thrive in a harmony of joy of being in one of the most wonderful cultural environments in the world with some of the greatest people in America, New York natives. No, that's gone. And now you try to go from point A to point B without getting mugged, without getting hurt. If you own a store, every single day, people are coming in and stealing. They're stealing people's cars. They're going up and, uh, when you're in your in BMW and breaking the window and carjacking. On subways, the slashing, everywhere you look, You see everything that should tell you, warning, 
This is no longer the right place to be. It's the wrong time. You're in the wrong place with no support system. And it's a bad idea. Find another place. And only after being forced to realize this, over 850 people every single day are moving to Florida. And that's not the number one state. Texas is now the number one state because it's no longer the place to be or the people to be with. Public spaces are now being transformed into battlegrounds and economic disparities widen. You don't see the average person anywhere in America saying, by God, I'm glad that Bush was in office and Trump and, and, uh, and Biden because my life is better. The cities have been rebuilt. Jobs have come back from China. We're no longer outsourcing, so corporations that are already filthy wealthy and hedge fund managers and equity partners can even have more billions on the billions they have, more control over us like BlackRock and Vanguard. And it's better for my children. The school curriculums are better. Critical thinking classes are in vogue. Wow. No, nothing has gotten better. Everything has gotten worse, if we're honest, for the average person. But you don't count, do you? Because we have addiction to only being deferred to power. We never ask the average person, what do you think? Do you think it's a good idea that there are 88,000 missing children that came across the border that would take taken by the, the government and put into so-called foster care homes and ends up that these are actually all run by organized crime out of Mexico? Was that a good idea? That the government facilitated 88,000 people into child labor or sexual slavery? Listen, I'll talk about it. But I got a committee hearing on it. Don't show it, Gary. Yeah, I'm going to show it and show the person who was responsible, dodging every question, answering nothing. Yeah, go for a walk in Central Park tonight. That's a good thing. After all, it's all of our park, Common Park, one of the most beautiful parks in the world, not the most beautiful, Hyde Park in London uh, is that. But let's go for a walk. Take your loved one. Oh, and by the way, wear some jewelry. Oh, and you got some cash. Put cash in your pockets because absolutely it's, it's a safe city to be in. That's what we've been told. So at 11 o'clock tonight, or no, not 10 o'clock tonight, go for a walk. You'll enjoy the park at night. It's lit up. No. What if I live in a building across the street from the park in a $5 million apartment? Good for you. Look out at the park, but don't go into it. I see. Hmm, that doesn't make any sense. Building something that magnificent, but something you can't then go into, kind of reminds me of in Mumbai or in Delhi or in Calcutta, where you have these very high-rise buildings, kind of ordinary, nothing architecturally interesting, not like Dubai or Abu Dhabi uh, or Khartoum, but uh, no, and certainly not like Shanghai, but just regular buildings. But that's where the wealthy live. And then when you look out the window, if you dare, you see massive amounts of polluted air. You look down into squalor. I mean absolute abject squalor. And so and this is almost all the streets in India. And so you look down, and those are poor people. They don't want to be there. They want to live nicely. They want to eat good food. They don't want to die of malnutrition or suffer from disease. But that's the concept. The people who have the money, they sequester themselves in this little island oasis 
but everyone who works for them, everyone who does their food, everyone who does their laundry, everyone who cleans the windows comes from that squalor. And you have this enormous differentiation between those who have and who have not. So what's the government doing to have help those who have not? Nothing. And how about the United States? Nothing again. How about in Great Britain? Nothing again. How about Scotland? Nothing again. How about in France? Nothing again. Wow. So this isn't just America where we have this addiction to deferring to those in power as if they have power, therefore they must be trusted. Their judgments must be trusted. Wow. So what we have is we have a labyrinth of addiction at every level of our life. And there exist other elusive specters, the addiction to one's own melancholy, where you're no longer aware that you're walking down a street that any moment you could be victimized on a subway. But the subways are public institutions, just like the parks. So why is it the rich and famous don't use subways? Because they wouldn't be identified then as rich and famous, unless you're Mayor Bloomberg and want to get some social credits for hanging out, but you didn't see the armed detectives around the mayor, the games we play to show that we're better than you. We're addicted to the need to have excessive ego projection. For many, depression and anxiety have become familiar companions where people are ensnarled by the gravitational pull of their own despair. They become both the captor and captive in the prison of their own minds. Yet beyond the familiar landscape of addiction, other addictions slither through the culture underbrush. Codependency weaves an intricate tapestry of enslavement. In the heartland of relationships, where healthy emotions should weave a sturdy fabric of mutual support, partners, parents, and friends find themselves ensnared in a web of unrelenting dependency, and hence codependency. The boundaries between ourselves and the others blur and dissolve in a crucible of dysfunction. Hand in hand, the addict and the enabler tread on a delicate tightrope between love and toxicity. Victimhood masquerades as a cloak for powerlessness in a culture that valorizes resilience. Victimhood offers a perverse allure, an escape hatch from responsibility and a false claim to distorted moral high ground. It whispers seductions of absolution that urge people to relinquish accountability and surrender the comforts of excesses, including excess complaining, excess whining, excess victimhood. And don't do it alone. There's always groups that you can go to every week and listen to each person reenact their story of victimhood, only reinforcing that it's real and taking no responsibility for how they got into that situation and how they can get out of it. Our whole identity becomes one of being a victim. And then individuals clutch to victimhood, then blindly parade through life shackled to a narrative of perpetual injustice and perpetual grievances. Hey, what's up? Nothing good. Uh, Want to tell me about it? Well, yeah, I need to tell you about it. Why do you need to tell me about it? Because all I have to share is my story of woe. I see. Suffering again? You bet. Having problems? I blame everyone. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It's everyone's fault all the time? All the time. You take no responsibility for any of the bad choices you made? Absolutely not. After all, I'm addicted 
That means it's a medical disease. That means it's not my power to overcome it. It means I have to go through the next 24 hours, no matter what my addiction, if my, if my addiction is to perfection, I have to show imperfection to other people to show my own perfection. I'm merely the inverse chimer of my dysfunction self visualized through other people's eyes. So what I hate about myself, I see through other people. Blame them, not me. There's no boomerang effect. It's you who are imperfect, not me. I see. So how do you show your perfection? Power. Because we all bow down to power. It is the ultimate sacrament. I see. Hmm. So the more celebrity status you have, the more power you have, the more fame you have, then the more control you have over other people's perception of you. That's the only reason it works. Because the moment you're Lance Armstrong and you go on Oprah and she asks you to confess and you confess, is she the, is she the savior of lost souls? Does she say, Amale, Daleste? Does she forgive you for your sins and therefore her audience says, oh, okay. You've confessed to doping and you've done it publicly and so we all forgive you. So go back to your life. No. It's about ratings. The addiction to ratings. The addictions to showing yourself that I'm still relevant. Whether I'm overweight or underweight, I'm Oprah. I'm relevant. Whether I have a healthy relationship or not, you will never know because I keep secrets and I'm relevant. And therefore, because I'm relevant, people expect me to be everywhere all the time and do things that are miracle that they couldn't do or think they couldn't do. They actually could do, but they don't want to do because we're addicted to having other people do everything for us, do our demonstrating, fight our battles, have the courage that we as cowards don't have. We're addicted to being cowards. We're indifferent. And that then creates the melancholy. What can I do? I'm one person, Gary. I'm one person. I can't do anything. I can't be everywhere. I can't know everything. But... Ralph Nader can and did. Ralph Nader was the, was the authentic material. He was the real McCoy, still is, except those who thought they were smarter realized, gee whiz, we can't control Ralph, so let's go with someone we can control. And they did, and they won. Now look at what they won. Look at the prize. Look at the prize when you voted for Clinton and Obama and Bush and all the other people. That's your addiction fully manifest. Now you're looking at something that doesn't look so good. And you got, you won. Do you really like the prize? You couldn't stop eating? You could have. You chose not to. You chose to be, I'm hungry now, Gary. I want the hamburger. It's only $3. It'll fill me up. And it'll also increase your likelihood of death. I'm not concerned about that. I live on impulsivity. I'm addicted to impulsiveness. I don't think through things. I lack critical thinking. I emote everything. Ask me how I feel, I'll tell you exactly how I feel. And if I don't feel good, you're going to see it in my eyes. You're going to hear it in my expression. I'm going to palpably disseminate nothing but a toxic energy because I feel self-righteous. I see. And what would happen if you just took 10 deep breaths and calmed down, went to neutral? And then look to see what is the truth, not what you feel is the truth, not what you've been programmed to truth, not what you've been indoctrinated to be a Democrat. That's a cult. Republicans, that's a cult. Needing power over others, that's a super cult. And all that can only occur if there's an addiction. Shall we 
navigate that? Because as we navigate this treacherous train of addiction, we encounter not only personal narratives of struggle, but also a larger societal malaise. The insatiable craving of ever-expanding spheres of influence erodes authenticity and is giving rise to a popular culture of narcissism. So everyone today who is seeking something outside of themselves is doing so based upon believing that there is narcissism and entitlement tied together in a big bouquet. Hmm. So then we listen to the siren song of power, fame, and ambition in a society obsessed with success and recognition. I'm doctor such and such, but you're not a medical doctor. I'm a chiropractor. I didn't get into medical school, but you call me doctor. Why do I have to call you doctor? Why can't I just call, hey, Sam, Bill, Jane? Because I have to identify myself. I'm insecure at some level. Don't you understand that? I'm a business, not just a healer. I see. So healing becomes a business. You become addicted to the success in your lifestyle. And therefore, you need to keep up with people to show people your success. How do you show people your success? What would be the purpose of having all that money if you could not buy anything with it to show people how successful you are? So we just overindulge. Jeff Bezos and his bride-to-be are buying dozens of homes. Wow. But he cares about the environment. Of course he does. Has the largest private yacht in the world. Plus another yacht and plus homes everywhere and plus private jets. And I see. But he's in, he's caring about the world. Of course he is. And of course is his wife. Wow. I never thought of it that way. And Bill Gates cares about you. And we care about Bill Gates. Because Bill Gates gives money and whoever gives money, well, kind of becomes an addiction to accepting it. Now, remember, Mr. Gates or Gavi or the World Health Organization or Anthony Fauci, you may be giving me money, but understand something. It's not going to influence my opinion. Yes, I'm going to buy a new house. My wife will have 13 more plastic surgeries just on her nose alone. But don't worry about that. You know, I'm honest as a scientist. Trust me. And they smile and say, of course we trust you. Oh, and by the way, before you send out anything, make sure to send it over to our office so we can inspect it. I see. Science has been corrupted by the addicts in it. Real science still exists. Real authentic people exist. But just understand something. The people that you respect more often than not have tried to paint a picture of themselves that is not real. So, the epic of addiction in the United States is not an isolated affliction. It's a symptom of a culture wrestling with its own demons. In a landscape where instant gratification prevails, the allure of escape, whether through a substance abuse or, or the relinquishment of personal responsibility, becomes irresistible. Why did you decide to go in there and rob that store? That's a minority-owned store. It's been there for 40 years. Never a problem. And now there's a riot and you go in there and steal everything in the store and beat up the owners. Why? Well, because anger. We want to show justice. Hmm. Billions of dollars in damage. People killed, beaten to death. Everything stolen. That's justice. For whom is that justice? Be honest, people. The roots of this epidemic are as diverse as the nation itself. Historical injustices, economic disparities, 
and relentless consumption is a panacea for existential malaise. It's a tapestry woven with trauma and unfulfilled promises, the pursuit of happiness in the midst of harsh realities. After all, George Bush said it best. He's our modern-day Socrates, right? We've just been attacked um, by Al-Qaeda. How did you know it was Al-Qaeda that quickly? Well, and Osama bin Laden that no one ever heard of. Well, needless to say, it's not important, just like Building 7 falling. It's not important. What's important is go out and shop. Shop for more. Got a problem in Israel with the Palestinians? Ah, only care about the Palestinians. No, we can't do that. Well, then just care about the Israelis. No, why not care about both and come to a settlement? Can't do that because the arms industry needs for you to go shop except not the actual individual, your tax dollars will do that, and people will shop for arms, and will sell arms to anyone who will buy them, as does Israel, as does Russia and China. Can't we stop the wars? Of course we can, but we're addicted to it. It's good for business. But what about the consequences? Hey, hey, did your oncologist ask, could he give the money back when you died? your family after spending $300,000? No. No. Did the psychiatrist give the family money back after your son hung himself in the attic after taking Prozac? No. No, we don't give refunds and we don't say we're sorry because we're addicted to our effort being rewarded without ever concerning the results. If we cared about the results, I don't know anyone who would be doing almost anything that they're doing today. So you got to look deeper. Addiction thrives as a clandestine force. It defies easy categorization. It manifests from the chemical to the emotional, from the tangible to the empirical. As we explore addiction in the United States, we must peel back the layers of stigma and judgment that shroud those entangled in its grasp. It is a journey to the heart of vulnerability, where empathy needs to be our compass and honesty is our vision. Without that, you'll never realize how much of an addict you are and what impact it's having upon those around the world. I'm Gary Knoll. That's my thought about this topic. Just to give you an example of it, and that one by that football player who now is a national icon along with a singer who is on every publication and was Time's Woman of the Year. Wow, Time and the editors over there, gee whiz. I thought that the Doctors Without Borders would make that. I thought that the doctors from Norway and other countries going into Israel and to the West Bank and trying to help those without enough medicine, without water, without food, without supplies. There's not one functioning hospital left in Gaza. And you've got over 2, 2.2 million people there, all dying, all suffering, I thought those people showing real courage, putting their life on the limb, yeah, I thought that those people would be person of the year. Hmm. I thought those who are going into communities and helping the poor in America, I thought those who are going to feed food banks and helping those who are food insecure, I thought those trying to, to help the children who are homeless in America find a place to stay that is safe and welcoming. I thought those were heroic, but evidently not. Evidently someone who sings songs 
and has been popularized into a cult of celebrity. That's our value system today, people. Just look around and you'll see the addiction. It is everywhere. We're going to take a brief break and come right back. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. If you'd like to address what I just shared with you, please feel free to do so. Our talkback number is 888-874-4888. I'm going to spend a little time now playing something forward. One of the problems we have each year of people who would love to be a part of our anti-aging study group is that they don't have the resources. As much as I lay out of my pocket and as much as the different staff and people uh, try to give as much as they can without charging, there are a lot of expenses. So what we're going to do is I'm going to try to raise right now $5,000. How am I going to do it? Well, I have an RV. It's a well-running RV. It's old, 1998, Fleetwood. Big, 35-foot. Not the biggest, not up to 50-foot and 45-foot, but well-maintained. And I'm going to offer today where the money, all of it, every penny goes to the Nutrition Institute of America, a nonprofit tax-exempt foundation that helps support our efforts when it comes to these anti-aging uh, groups. So that is going to help some people in the spring when we do our next group. So it go, comes for me as a gift, um, as far as I'm not charging a penny for my input on it. It goes to a nonprofit foundation, which then comes back to needing people who qualify for that, and that's where the money will go. Where else can you buy a, a 60,000 mile, 1998 Fleetwood, maintained properly, and uh, it's old, but it's terrific. For 5,000 bucks, if you doubt me, try it. Come up and try to see what you can buy for 5,000 bucks when it comes to an RV, and they'll send you a hubcap. In any case, if that interests you, if you find that it's something that, and by the way, half of that is tax deductible. So you're really out of pocket, 5,000, but you're deducting 2,500 from your taxes from the IRS. So you're really laying out about 2,500 bucks for an RV that runs. All right. So if that interests you, and that's why I made it such a low price, but even that low price still is going to help some people who otherwise wouldn't be able to come. You'll give a call to our main number at 646-926-5422, dial zero, then share them with answer. And uh, you can give her your information, and she'll send you over photographs and information on it. All right? That's one thing. And again, you've heard me say many times, the only gift worth having is a gift you can give to others and especially if it helps others. Second up, um, starting in January or February, we're going to select one person for Florida, one person for the villa to work on homesteading projects. No investment. I've already put all the money in into a state-of-the-art hydroponics and greenhouse and everything, and you get to live for free there if you're strong and healthy because it takes a lot of work. And then you'll be able to go to the farmer's market and sell the produce that you're growing and earn an income. Uh, and for those of you who thought you'd like to be in a beautiful place with nice clean air and water and nice energy, it's an opportunity. But I only have room for one person at each location. If that interests you, you'll call again, Sharon, and give your information. Here's who shouldn't call, but almost always does when we offer something like this. 
people who've got health problems and thinking, well, I won't mention the health problem, but when I get down there, then I'm sure Gary will spend all this time every day helping me. No. For those who are not physically capable of doing physical work at a level that you have to do. No. For those who have negative energy, negative attitude. And uh, no, this is not a rehab. And this is for people giving them an opportunity if they want to get ahead of the curve, get out of the urban and suburban environments, be able to do something that earns them an income. And uh, they are, in fact, controlling a little business, homestead business. There's a work, you bet it works. We've tested these, and they've been very successful. But it's gone dormant for about six months until I had the time and energy to put into having one person at each place. If you think that's for you, give a call again to Sharon. And you've got to have a background. This is not, you're going to come knowing nothing, and we're going to teach you. You've got to have background. All right, and finally, I'm going to be hiring one person starting in January or February to be go into our film archives and each day go through films and select the best clips from people living or dead from long ago till now that people could benefit from that conversation and putting it up on uh, YouTube uh, and uh, Odyssey and Rumble. All right, and there's a lot of it. There are thousands of those interviews out there. People... Norman Mailer and, and uh, Pearl Buck and all these wonderful people that I've filmed and interviewed throughout the years. So I've got a huge archive here. So it's a kind of a fun project that does pay a salary and you get your, you know, get to stay for free. But you've got to be a serious person. You've got to know what you're doing. And then finally, we have a special today. And I got a lot of calls of people who say they'd like to give a gift. They have their own stuff. That's fine. So last night, we put together the ultimate holiday special. Guess what you're getting, and guess what you're going to get at it. So this is a really nice gift, and this will go with it, you know, to whoever you want. You're getting Ageless Answer, yep. Red Stuff, the mouthwash, Fresh Breath, Clean Teeth, the Toothpaste, my cookbook, and four DVDs that I haven't offered. For example, the one on love, because I think this is the time of year where people could... Watch something that inspires them to realize how much love there is, how to express it, how to receive it. A lot of people can't. They've been hurt, and therefore they're mistrusting. They block energy coming in and only give hesitation and negative energy coming out. This breaks through all that. Happiness, that's another DVD, and Harmonizing Your Life. Three really important DVDs, Harmonizing Your Life, which is brand new, by the way, Happiness and Love. Oh, and I'm not finished yet. Four DVDs, plus the Healing Foods Cookbook, plus the mouthwash, the uh, mouth, uh, the toothpaste, red stuff, and Ageless Answer. Now, what does all this come to? $533.92. How much are you paying? Just $199. You're saving $333.97. That's over 60% discount. Because it's the time of year to care about others, and send them a nice gift, all right? And who wouldn't love to get this package in the mail? It's got everything from the emotional, motivational, to health, from clean teeth and clean breath to fulfilling the body's nutritional needs, and, of course, the anti-aging miracle cream that we're getting phenomenal reviews on. I mean, just phenomenal after only five weeks. So you're getting all this in this one package. Wow. All right. So and and uh, and also 
from the red stuff. I don't think I have to go through what's in the red stuff. I, I think you know, you're you're getting, uh, you're getting apples, pomegranates, blueberries, cranberries, all organic by the way. Mangoes, strawberries, raspberries, acerola berry, uh, orange peel, lemon peel, acai, grape juice. You're getting goji, noni, banana, beet, grape, pineapple, and peach. All organic. How about that? That's in the new red stuff. All right? And you're saving over $333. So how do you get it? It's simple. You simply call this number. You call, and it'll be sent out today. 877-627-5065. 877-627-5065. So that's the special. You can also call Neil in the Vitamin Closet or go visit him at 646-926-5430. Or you can order online. You've got three ways of getting it. But do it early so we can get it out today. Not everyone celebrates Christmas in the traditional way. I don't celebrate any holiday. I recognize them. I love to watch some of the old movies. It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart and uh, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Some of these are really inspirational, even today. When Frank Capra was writing and directing, wow, what a gift he was. And his is a timeless message, just like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. If you played Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, you could have Josh Halley uh, replacing Jimmy Stewart. I mean, we have some people with high-level integrity, honesty, and decency in both houses, and but they're not the majority, unfortunately. So holidays I work. I'll be here on Monday uh, sharing part two of a very important part one that you heard and that was from Dr. David Martin telling the truth behind the COVID, where it came from, who profited from it, why the scientists sold out to keep their mouths shut, why doctors didn't start using therapies from day one of a symptom. All that's in part two. All right? So once again, I'm putting a gift up. Oh, a gift as far as I'm not charging a penny for myself. It's all going to a nonprofit. $5,000, and then you get it as is, and it drives, and uh, and it's it's old, yes, so what? But it's got, for an RV, low miles, 60,000, but they've been, they've been properly driven and properly maintained. So if you can find anything better than that, let me know, all right? I don't know of anything. So you're getting that, and if you want to do some homesteading, but you got to be the right person, uh, again, Unfortunately, a lot of people call in because they simply need help. And even people who've come to the health retreats, you know, Luann does the very best she can of screening people because we don't, we're not there to diagnose or treat disease. But a lot of people come even with terminal illnesses don't tell us so they get there. And then I just don't have the heart to send them home. I could just imagine if they've tried everything orthodoxy has to try and they've been told, go home, put your house in order. And, uh, just put yourself in that person's position think, wow. And then Gary said no. Well, I'm not the person that says no. But it's not for dying and sick people. It's for people who are vitalists, people who want to do more with their life, want to repurpose their life in a happy and positive way and reverse a lot of the damage that's been done up to that time, which we can do. By the way, the blood chemistries are being done. Um, no, they're done. And everything, from what I understand, 
is being tabulated. So, we'll know what the results are probably within a week, and I'll share those with you. My hope is that because we had such a high level of quality people in the study on campus and at home, and we've never had a group at home who finished everything, and this group finished everything. So congratulations to a highly motivated group. So we're expecting spectacular results. And then this all goes out to different nonprofit um, anti-aging foundations to share this information with them. And then I'll publish a peer-reviewed journal article like I just did, and uh, you'll be able to review it. And over the weekend, go to GaryAndAll.com and look under Video Bios. We're finishing today. I reviewed it late last night with my editor, Valerie, who's been working with me for 35 years, as has Roland, or my cinematographer editor. And we finally have put everything in there based upon going through old boxes that I've had stored for 30, 40, 50 years. And we found all this documentation. I'd forgotten about it. And it's all in there. It really is something to see. And so things I could say now that I didn't even think about, that I was one of the founders of energy healing in the United States. And the proof is there, not me saying it, two of the world's leading scientific journals, one in Italy and I believe the other in France, and they invited me to Rome, and they, no, uh, to Milan and to Tokyo, two different groups, because the breakthrough work I'd done on energy healing, and I'll talk about that on an upcoming program. Let me ask the studio in New York, do you have any callers? If not, We'll sign off and turn it over to our next program. Any calls in? No? Okay. Well, thank you all for listening. Tune back in on Monday, and you'll see a powerful, powerful show. All right? Have a nice holiday, everyone.